welcome to another Middle Grade Mavens bonus episode. If you've been listening to our show in 2020, you'll know we did an Ask the Editor series to prepare you for conferences like Kidlit Vic and CYA. The good news is these conferences aren't cancelled due to the outbreak of coronavirus. Kidlit Vic is merely postponed to November and CYA is forging ahead in July going totally online. In the space of about a month, the world has dramatically changed. Terms like essential services are spoken about on a daily basis, and the world has been asked to stay at home. We contemplated this long and hard when it comes to books. After all, we're all about the books. The thing is, we consider books to be an essential service. Thankfully, we are pleased to discover many folks agree. We've opened our social media platform doors to authors and illustrators that have had their book launches cancelled, offering to promote them the best way we know how, by showing their wonderful book covers and displaying their fantastic book blurbs. So keep sending us those requests to mavens at middlegradepodcast.com. Now, we aren't the only ones innovating, obviously. Bookshops are no longer open to the public, but delivering door to door. And libraries are following suit by changing their service model to suit this terrifying and turbulent time. When talking about books, however, we can't forget about the bookmakers, which brings us back to our Ask the Editor series. We ask a couple of editors a few questions about how things are changing during COVID-19, as well as an incredibly wonderful um, bookseller. And guess what? They agreed. So sit back and have a listen to our bonus series on how publishers and booksellers are adapting to the changing world we live in. Lisa Lambert is co-owner and manager of The Little Book Room, a dedicated children's bookstore in Carlton, North Victoria. Lisa is a champion of children's books. She runs book groups and launches, co-runs the Kids Book Fest in Fitzroy, and speaks far and wide on the importance of children's books and independent booksellers. I'm delighted to welcome you to the podcast, Lisa. I just wish it were in easier times. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so delighted to make my debut. It's very exciting for me. So thanks for being a ray of sunshine in a challenging, challenging time. Yeah, well, we've had you on our list for a while, but we thought, you know, now's, yeah, not, not that we want to, you know, have these times happening, but now's a good time to talk to you because it is challenging for booksellers. So, you know, before all this happened, the, the children's book industry was actually doing pretty well. Um, but now you're not only affected by a drop in customer numbers, but also a change in the US dollar and delays in printing. So how are things going for you? What has changed for you at this point in the pandemic? Well, you're quite, you're quite right. Um, at the beginning of the COVID epidemic, my big concern was um, stock that's printed in China. So all colour printing is pretty much done in China. And that was what I was really uh, frightened about. Um, and it turns out to be such a, such a pebble in the ocean now to have been consumed with worry about something so small. Um, what has it, it meant for us? We don't do a lot of importing in the first place. We're pretty, we're pretty committed to prioritising um, local um, authors and publishers and author, also local distributors of books as well. So we want to support the local ecosystem. We import when we need to, but I guess that's just kind of fallen off 
<laughs> the list of priorities at the moment. So what has it meant to us? It's meant that we have had to flip our way of providing our service. So instead of the lovely chats and wonderful events that we have in store, we're figuring out ways to provide recommendations and wonderfully curated um, picture books online and over the phone. We're really lucky that we've been able to do that. We're busier, I think, um, than we've ever been because we're adapting to this, this new way of doing things. And we think as time goes by, we'll get a bit more efficient and effective <laughs> at that. And maybe the fog will lift, maybe it won't, I'm not sure. But yeah, we have a lot of work to do and we feel incredibly fortunate to be doing it. It's never felt more meaningful. Mm. Do, and do you think that you were well prepared for this in terms of uh, your systems and your technology or? No, <laughs> not at all. We had to do an emergency stock take to um, make sure that our, our figures were correct so that what people see online actually exists. But, you know, you just manage when you're a little organisation. I think everybody's used to multitasking and jumping in and doing what they can when they can. So we just have found a way. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and there's, I know that some books have been delayed um, either because of printing or just because they, the, the publishers feel that it's a better time to release them later in the year. And does that affect you very much or have you still sort of got plenty of books to go around? Well, I think in this environment where we don't have events, I think that it is, there is wisdom in delaying new books so that they have the benefit of the launch and tour sales behind them. Um, I think that, well, you, you're probably really aware of this. It might even be why you're doing this podcast, but people don't know about children's books, about new children's books. I posted a picture a photo on Instagram of the new Australian picture books. There would have been about a dozen and they've um, all lost that boost that events um, give them and they won't be reviewed in the newspaper or the radio. I'm really lucky to have a radio spot in Melbourne every couple of weeks, but it's six minutes. Yeah. So I think that what we're seeing is that people are going back to series that they know of and backlist that they know of and um, we're trying to be creative about ways that we can uh, make sure Australian creators don't miss out too much. Yeah I guess it's a good time for sequels because people are looking forward to those but um, new yes yes and there's a new David Williams coming out and that will just go gangbusters because people know about it it's like oh I don't want him or me. I don't need, oh, I shouldn't say mean things like that, but he, he doesn't need my backing or our shop's backing. Yeah. <laughs> and that's something that Julie and I, we, we're aware of as well. We don't tend to, um, yeah, the great big worldwide best usually just because we know they've already got, um, we, yeah. you know, we kind of do what we feel like at the time as well. <laughs> Um, and yeah, we are promoting, we are trying to promote through the podcast and through our social media, um, kids books that are coming out. Fantastic. But you know, it's, it's, it's reaching the, the buyers, another thing, 
reaching the parents and reaching the kids, you know, they're not seeing it as much. So, um, yeah, there's obviously there's going to be a drop off in sales. I, th I think the mix is gone. I think that my gut feeling today at this point, at this moment, is that books will keep going, but the mix will not be perhaps what it has been previously because the role of independent, like the actual book selling recommendation thing is different. So what we decided to do today is we thought, how can we do this online? Um, over the phone recommendations are quite time consuming and you really want people to be able to look at what you're describing online. So we made a quiz. Yeah. <laughs> so parents or kids can fill in the quiz about how old they are, what their interests are, what books they've liked, what kind of genre they want to read. And then we're sending them three recommendations and we've had a great response and it's really, really fun to be on the other end of. I feel like I'm in the zone of recommending again and it's such, it's so satisfying. <laughs> so, I love how people are innovating and coming up with these new ways of doing things and, and, and doing it online. It's so fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very, like, yeah. So that's kind of fun for us in a, like, to play around with that basic technology really. But, I don't know, connect with people. Yeah. yeah, and we've um, we're, we've put our story times online. <laughs> so it was really nice today having photos of kids smiling being sent through because that's something that um, we really miss, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't run a children's bookshop otherwise, would you? <laughs> I would hope not. Yeah. So do you think that people will turn or are turning more to ebooks now because they can, or do you think that the ratio of ebooks to physical books will remain steady? Um, I'm really, I, I don't know. I don't have any evidence about ebook sales, but I just presume because of convenience that people will um, pick up more ebooks. I can't, and I don't think that that's a problem. I think that people will be reading more full stop. Yeah. They can't, they don't have access to their library's collection in a traditional way. So I've never thought of ebooks as a threat. Yeah, and I, there's audiobooks as well. I think audiobooks are taking off a little bit, but you know, not much that, especially kids, you know, what they can do, especially with parents working at home as well. Go read a book. <laughs> so, um, yeah, people are stocking up. Um, do you do you have a plan going forward for when the restrictions begin to ease up again, or or is it too early to think about that? No, it's a lovely thought. I think today we were kind of we are just thinking right. I think this is our business model for the next six months. How can we make it sustainable um, for that period of time so that when things do ease up, um, we're ready, not just. <laughs> exhausted shells I guess that's everyone's plan isn't it um the little book room will celebrate its 60th birthday on October the 13th and so we're planning a big celebratory kids book fest with Yarra libraries um and we will ramp up our events schedule like <laughs> no one's business and I think we will also hold on to a couple of the technological things that 
we've um, kind of figured out. So I think we'll be in a stronger position than ever at the other end. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, we were talking the other day. Well, what are we going to do when this all eases up? We're going to have a big party and <laughs> go out and <laughs> spend all day out. Um, yeah, and you just mentioned the, the Kids Book Fest, um, which has been running, I know, for a few years now. And I we, we've been there a few times, um, which is amazing. And, it, and, you know, it's not just for authors, it's for everyone. It's, it's such a fantastic event. Do you want to just talk about that for a moment? Sure. Well, last year we collaborated with Yarra Libraries, as I said, and we took over not just the reading room at the old Fitzroy Town Hall, but the grand ballroom as well. So we had publishers and crafters and authors and illustrators and badge making machines and story mazes in the ballroom which was a free space that you could almost spend all day in and then we had um sessions in the reading room um which were just amazing we had an illustrator battle and adrian beck <laughs> compared this um, session and he asked each of the illustrators for like a walk-on dance on track and it was just phenomenal. We had Mr. Walker the dog come along, um, the real pre pigeons creators, cowboys um, and bird brain, Sally Rippon and Ingrid Laguna. It was like dream, dreams, all my dreams come true kind of stuff and um, that's what we want to look forward to for 2020 in October. Oh, we look forward to that. My, I took my seven-year-old um, to that last year, to that, that thing. Um, <laughs> he a battle. He's a massive pigeon, uh, real pigeons and cowboy bird brain fan. And he had <laughs> every question, you know, it was, it was so good. It's, it's such a great way for kids to, to meet you know, they're heroes and to meet them to understand that these people are real, you know, these people made this book. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah we look forward to that. High impact, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It'll be huge. Um, so just going on from that, do you think that this pandemic will have a long-term impact on the children's book industry or do you think that eventually it'll just kind of get back to where it was going? I think it's going to be really tough for the littlest publishers yeah. um, and I I know that it's incredibly difficult for writers to maintain their income stream and the support that it's is around is not a safety net for them so there are going to be um, some really negative consequences um, I think people will yeah their livelihoods um, are under threat. Absolutely, I think it's going to be tough. Yeah, I I, I think um, for a lot of authors and illustrators, it's not so much the book sales for a lot of them that are being affected. It's it's also the school visits and the talks and the conferences and the festivals that they they get paid to speak at, and those are not happening. Um, yeah, you know, and either may be delayed or cancelled so that you know that that's a huge amount of income for them um that they're not having so um i am seeing you know as you as you are a lot of them are innovating and trying to do things online but it, um there's so many as well it's easy to get ground out you know yep yeah absolutely and it's yeah and teachers 
um, bless them, but they are going to have to adapt to so much new technology. So just keeping, keeping their classrooms operating is going to be uh, difficult enough without, so that leaves no energy to think, oh, I know, <laughs> I'll get this author on Zoom for my class and figure out a way um, to get them to invoice the school or something like that. Yes. And, and you found out trying to do this interview yesterday. <laughs> it's, you know, everybody's using Zoom, everybody's using the internet and it's just not particularly reliable. There's no guarantee that you're going to have a good connection anyway. No. <laughs> so how can people support the Little Book Room and other bookstores, especially the independent stores, who might be struggling more than the chains? Oh, cool. Thanks. Well, I think they're... Like there are things you can do if you've got financial resources and there are things that you can do if you don't. Mm. Um, it's been really cool for us to see people recommending our shop. And I really like seeing people recommending their local bookshops as well. So that's something that you can do on Facebook and Google if you happen to have time. Um, if, if, you do have financial resources as well as buying in supplies for yourself. Um, we've had many, many people pay it forward to say their sister's family who have, who are finding things really tough at the moment or grandparents sending care packages to their kids, which just is so beautiful. Mm. Um, and not, and knowing that, um, Sorry, I got upset about the grandparents thing. <laughs> oh, emotional times, eh? Um, yeah, so um, asking for reviews um, and filling their social media feeds with what they're reading, what their kids are reading. When you're having a conversation with someone, talk about books. Um, that's, that's, that word of mouth recommendation is so incredibly valuable. And um, that's, that's what I guess us booksellers are missing at the moment because that's like our lives. <laughs> so yeah. be a bookseller. <laughs> is the best way isn't it it's huge. it's just so powerful yeah so speaking of word of mouth so that we can leave on a positive note can you tell me about some children's books that you're excited about at the moment <laughs> let me consult my <laughs> can i talk about some picture books that i'm particularly pumped up about of course Okay. All right. The The Astronaut's Cat by Toby Riddle is sublime. It is about an astronaut and a cat that live on the moon. It's absurd and delicious and unexpected, but really satisfying. It's it's Toby Riddle he can sometimes do like that really serious, very meaningful and super silly. And this is like combining the two. It's fantastic. Um, and who's your real mum, uh, which is by 
Bernadette Green and Anna Zobel, who are two locals to us. Um, it's about Nicholas coming over to his friend's house and asking her constantly, who's your real mum? You've got two mums. Which one's your real one? And they go on an imaginative adventure. Um, and oh, Trace Bella's new book, Landing With Wings, is... Oh, it's just full of so much heart and it takes you out of your head and it grounds you and that is so reassuring at the moment and um Heidi McKinnon's new picture book there's no such thing was is just a dream to read aloud and I feel like I owe her like a, a personal note to say thank you for making this for story time for me to read <laughs> it's about a little a big bear who's a bit scared when he's out camping with little bear and imagines all these nasty lurking things in the dark, but they're not real, are they? <laughs> oh, I can keep going. <laughs> it's such a wonderful, strong um, month for new releases. And these are just picture books. I'm Always Old in the New by Janie Godwin and Sarah Acton is a fabulous rhyming story about uh, siblings and Janie's rhyming picture books like just uh, out of the park so if you need a break from Julia Donaldson and everybody does once in a while um explore Janie Godwin's rhyming picture books and the other gorgeous thing I'd like to mention is um Goodnight Glowworms by Aura Parker it's a very gentle warm cuddly uh rhyming picture book for bedtime for two and three year olds so we look forward to reading that at story time even though Aura can't come down from Sydney and join us like we had planned oh. so we really did have events planned around all of those books and really want to give them a special shout out yeah thank you we, we've actually um have put a couple up on our social media because yeah they're, they're okay. yeah so I know a few of them and look forward to seeing them Oh, well, thank you, Lisa. It's been an absolute pleasure and we wish you all the best over the next <laughs> Well, like I say, we're so grateful to have such a supportive community and to be able to, I don't know, continue to serve. Great things for children's books. And, you know, yeah, we cannot wait to be let out of the house and come and see you. I totally agree. <laughs> and that's my <laughs> listening to this whole interview and he's been dying to talk. Did you want to ask Lisa something? Um, you know that thing that'll give you book recommendations? The quiz. Yeah. Quiz. Um, I, I'll have to check it out because... Oh, I love that. I'll look out for it. Yeah, you you Thanks. want you, you want to get you want to have the quiz. You mean you want to try? The yeah, quiz I want to see. I want to see what books are good for me. Oh, okay. Well, maybe after the interview, we'll we'll try out your quiz if that's okay. Yeah, I love that. Well, the thing about the quiz is it's not just a robot or a, a bot or an equation making things up. It's either me at the other end of it or my colleague Michael, and Michael. <laughs> And I are just the same. We love kids' books so much. So that's pretty... Uh, we think it's really cool. Here's a tip. I like fantasy. <laughs> that's great. You can put that in... That can go in the quiz. Plug that in the quiz and yeah. see what comes out of Lisa's or Michael's... 
brain. <laughs> I'm already thinking of things. Can you do the quiz really quickly? Why not? Because I'm thinking of things right now. Online version of the quiz. There you go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Oh, I can't wait. I've got to see some other things that you like, though. But we've sort of talked through a little bit of the quiz, so I feel like I've got a head start on you. Okay. Coolaroo? Well, thank you. Thank you. It's been great. It's been really nice. I've only done my videos like once. Where, yeah, well, my mum interviewed me and my brother. I think you'd be really good at running um, a YouTube channel or a podcast yourself. I can't wait. I, can't, I kind of want to run a YouTube channel by games. He wants a YouTube channel. <laughs> Well, we better. We better. Well, I found it very tricky. <laughs> See you guys. I'm going to go and um, uh, get back to my recommendations. Yeah, absolutely. So have fun in the morning to wake up to. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Bless. Love your work, guys. Thank you. Keep it up. It's my pleasure to welcome Marissa Pintado, children's publisher at Hardy Grant Egmont. Hi, Marissa, and thanks for joining us. Hi, Julie. Thank you for having me. Firstly, how are you doing amidst all of this? I imagine it's been a chaotic couple of weeks culminating in working from home. How are you traveling? Yes. Well, I, every day I think about this tweet that somebody sent me, which is, which said something like, you're not working from home. You're at home trying to work during a crisis, which is pretty yes. much how I feel. So <laughs> um, true. You know, we're coping fine. We, um, I, I feel very privileged to have a partner who can co-wrangle our toddler. Um, yes. And we're just getting by, you know, splitting our work hours. So I'm usually doing the morning. He's usually doing the evening or the afternoon. Um, and then trying to manage my brilliant team kind of remotely um, yep. and get us all to stay connected um, yep. and, you know, trying to read as many books as I can and support our indies by buying as many books as I can. Yes. Um, but I think we're surviving okay. It's hard to remember that it's only been, what, two weeks or something since all of this it's happened. Insane. It's crazy. It's insane. It's just insane, yep. So totally. with authors having launches cancelled, Marissa, can you tell mm. us some of the ways that Hardy Grant Egmont is innovating to get the word out about these books? Yeah, so... Um, this April is actually the 10th anniversary of Sally Rippon's Billy B. Brown series, which yes. was so exciting for all of us at Hardy Grant Egmont because many of us kind of came up through the ranks working on Billy B. Brown, the original titles, yes, um, and then got to be a part of publishing three new Billy B. Browns um, this month, which is exciting. They're the first new books in years. Um, and because we had this big, elaborate... Uh, brilliant, bold uh, tour, promotional tour planned for Sally across Australia yeah. and New Zealand. Obviously, when coronavirus happened, we needed to very quickly pivot. Um, that word is massively overused in our team at the moment, but we yes. pivoted to, <laughs> to just doing something entirely online. So our brilliant marketing team, um, literally in a matter of days, came up with um, the Sally Rippon Holiday Program. Yep. which had thousands of subscriptions within the first couple of days. Um, oh, wow. And it'll be running for four or five weeks across April. Um, every week uh, a new um, 
a new round of holiday program is announced uh, and released. So it's got worksheets, activities, baking prompts, um, story celebrations and videos from Sally uh, reading the stories and um, giving a little bit of insight into the world of Billy B. Brown and her best friend Jack. Um, So that's been really exciting and I, I feel constantly grateful that we have something so affirming and exciting to celebrate because it has been a really challenging time Um, and it's really exciting to just remember that we all get to work in children's books and celebrate fiction and, um, you know, publishing a series like Billy B. Brown, which really has helped so many kids discover their love of reading um, and starting their launching, you know, their reading careers. So that has been really wonderful. Um, We've also been working away on a new platform called Stories at Home, uh, which we're rolling out uh, in the next couple of weeks. And basically, this is a platform that's going to be powered by our authors and illustrators. And it's sort of like a book club um, led by our authors and illustrators themselves. So they're going to be um, filming short videos about their books, um, including short readings. And then they'll basically be answering fan questions giving insider secrets about their books. Um, Depending on the author or illustrator, they might also show us some of their sweet dance moves or in the case of the Little Legends series, which has also been published this month um, by the wonderful Adrian Beck and Nicole Hayes. Um, They might even be um, showing us some of their sweet footy moves. Um, Fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, so it's really, really exciting. Um, We wanted to create something that would allow us to host this content for as long as the crisis lasts and also be a safe place for parents to plop their kids down in front of a screen if they really need to and know that they are, um, you know, giving them access to really quality content featuring the authors that they love or authors that they don't know yet but will love once they get to it. And Pamela and I were just saying the other day, we feel like the industry has woken up a bit because all of these things were possible before I mean, they do take a lot of time. Um, so, I mean, that's an investment. But the fact that we can do this online means we can do this online in the future as well, oh. not necessarily when the pandemic ends. So Completely. I mean, we in-house were sort of um, a bit, once we rolled out the Saturday Rifkin holiday program, we just sort of looked at each other over video chat and were like, we should have been doing this anyway. It's a brilliant yes. idea. And it's been really popular and you know, crisis or no crisis, there's definitely a market for, um, you know, Billy B. Brown celebrations, regardless of whether they're online. So, um, yeah, I completely agree. I think there's always been, um, you know, obviously people uh, love the idea of digital marketing, but I think there's always been a real reliance on event-based publicity and promotions, even though that obviously disadvantages lots of people who can't make it to those events um, and privileges in a city um, often in a city um, populations. Um, so, yeah, I mean, digital is the great equaliser um, yeah. in many ways. Um, so I think you're absolutely right. Nothing like a pandemic to wake up the children's book industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's our motto. Not what I would have prescribed, but, yeah. <laughs> so talking digital books, they are hardly new, but we don't always see that kids' book releases are made available as e-books or even audio books, I guess you could, um, you know, expand even further. Is this something that is going to tr- dramatically change, like how you do books in the future? Yeah, so we have always published 
our middle grade and YA simultaneously um, in print and digital. Yep. Um, when when ebooks really became a thing that we needed to um, incorporate into our publishing workflow, we did originally publish all of our books simultaneously in digital and print. And then after doing some sales analysis, we realized that there were so few people buying junior fiction um, yep. in E that it, it wasn't really worth the labor and cost to convert those books to digital. Yeah. Um, because those books cost hundreds of dollars to convert to digital and we might have sold five or seven copies in a year. Um, yes. It doesn't really cover the cost. So my takeaway from all of that is that parents of, of younger kids aren't really looking to give them more screen time um, yep. and are happy for them to be reading physical books. Um, so in the short term, we did have a look at some sales figures and we're going to keep a really close eye on digital sales um, for the next little while just to see how people's um habits kind of change yeah uh, the global pandemic but at this point i'm pretty comfortable keeping our junior fiction just in print um and continuing to publish middle grade and ya in both print and digital um, wonderful and we'll just see how that goes and i know ebooks are wonderful but they are a massive sort of you know undertaking as as wonderful as it is to just sit and listen to an ebook, I know that uh, an audiobook it takes so much more than just an ebook. So I imagine that's not something. <clears throat> I mean, we can't all go sit in an audio, um, uh, you know, and record either. So I don't think that's something that's going to bump up. But it's certainly something that is like so sought after in this time. Like I know my eight year old's like, oh, I just want an audiobook, and I'm like, oh, there's not that many. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, man, I hear you. I mean, like many publishers at the moment, we are kind of developing the capacity in-house to create our own um, audiobooks in time um, wow. or kind of audio adaptions of books. But in the short term, we're very much reliant on our partners, um, yep. Belinda and Audible and other yep, audio yep. companies to adapt our books. So essentially they they choose which of our books they want to adapt um, and take over production from there. So, I mean, I would definitely not be surprised if they are boosting their production because I think I completely agree that there's going to be an increased market for audiobooks going yeah. forward um even more than there already was I mean audio was growing something like 30 percent year on year um yeah yep. for the last few years so it's pretty it's already fit pretty well established yeah um but definitely room to grow absolutely hmm. so with new books, are they being put on hold, like like those that were due out later this year or perhaps even in 2020, 2021? <laughs> I, I really haven't actually entered 2020 yet. I'm still saying 2019. <laughs> um, so are they on hold or is, is, that, is that sort of not happening? Are they just going forward? Uh, it's, it's definitely um, we've had to make some really difficult decisions. We... we about a week ago, two weeks ago, we sat down and really combed through our forward publishing program and looked at every title individually and considered whether it would benefit from being held out till 2021 when there might be increased foot traffic in independent bookstores and chains um, yep. as well as the DDS. And there are definitely certain kinds of titles that I think are a little bit quieter that wouldn't be um, represented in discount department stores, which it sounds like might continue to be open. Yeah. Um, stores like Kmart and Target and BW and those sorts of places. Um, and, you know, for example, paperback releases of picture books, um, they are definitely 
um, going to be harmed by independent yes. bookstores open. So we thought, why not wait until 2021 to release those? They're not exactly time sensitive because those books are already available in the world. Um, yep. These are just new formats. So many of, of those have been yep. pushed out. Um, I mean, the tricky thing about publishing is that I'm already working on 2021 and 2022. So, yeah. And the titles that probably would have been benefited by moving out, um, you know, the May titles, the June titles, most of those had already been printed and were sitting in our warehouse waiting to go out. So there wasn't really anything to be gained by holding those yeah. back um, yeah. because we'd be paying for warehousing kind of indefinitely. So we decided in the short term to continue our publishing program per usual, but then titles publishing after August this year, uh, as I said, we're just having a close look at them and um, deciding whether or not they should stay in this year or move to next year. Yeah, Most titles are still going ahead. Um, yep. And we haven't, um, as a rule, we're not pausing titles indefinitely. Um, we're still acquiring as well. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit, but yep. we're definitely still signing titles up because we need to have a program in 2021, 2022, 2023. Of course, um, yeah. So we need to begin production on those books pretty soon to make them yeah. happen. Yeah, writers got to keep writing. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> so I think my next question was, are there still acquisitions meetings? And I guess um, they're probably, they're not anything like they used to be, but they're still going ahead. They're going ahead from home. But um, but with a you know a very different approach. So I think the question that I'm trying to ask is: Is there a change in what will be acquired due to this pand pandemic? That's such a good question. Um, I mean, to answer your first question, question um, acquisitions meetings are definitely going ahead, and yes, they do look a little bit different. Yeah. Um, it's no joke to have kind of ten or fifteen people <laughs> on the one. Yeah, uh, teams call, but we we make it work. Um, yeah, and we actually had our first kind of pandemic um, acquisitions meeting about ten days ago and acquired uh, three really exciting projects. Um, you know, I think we're all that was really in the thick of it as well. But I think we're all still feeling really optimistic about the future of publishing and yeah. the fact that you know, in times of crisis, people are turning to the arts, they're turning to TV, they're turning to film, they're turning to books. Um, and there will always be a need for stories um, yeah. and that we're in a really privileged position to be able to bring those stories to the world. So acquisitions continues and future publishing continues. Yeah. Um, I definitely, um, to, think you're, to answer your other question, I definitely think that our tastes are changing. Um, yeah. Personally, I'm finding myself really drawn to um, affirming reads, so rom-coms and exciting mysteries and humour and I've always had a taste for those um, categories, but even more now, I just feel like it's the time for uplit. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that might change again in a few months' time. Um, and, you know, publishing is a very subjective um, process, of course, but I wouldn't be surprised if lots of people are suddenly thinking, hey, maybe we need more rom-coms on our list. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> That's certainly how I feel. <laughs> yeah, yep. So... Um, the Ampersand Prize, you've run, mm. uh, you started the Ampersand Prize, I think I'm. I did. Yeah, correct. Um, it didn't run last year, but is it going to go ahead this year? And can you explain what it is? Yes, it is absolutely going ahead this year. So the Ampersand Prize is Hardy Grant Egmont's award for debut novelists of middle grade and young adult fiction. Um, it has become a biennial award, so every two years we throw open our doors and say, send us your unpublished manuscripts if you're an unpublished author. 
and we will read them and select a winner um, to whom we will offer a, a publishing contract and advance against royalties and a pretty special platform from which to launch their career. Mm, yes. Um, so over the last, um, we're probably heading towards the Ampersand Prize's 10th anniversary, actually. I think next year will be the anniversary. Um, we've had the opportunity to launch some really amazing authors like Melissa Keel, you know, queen yes. of rom-coms herself. Um, I guess I am pretty consistent, actually. I've loved rom-coms for a long time. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Erin Goff um, with Amelia Westlake. Uh, most recently we had The Brilliant Ideas of Lily Green by Lisa Syberry. Um, yes you know, which is beautiful middle grade novel. Um, and it's something that the entire team gets involved in. We all read the manuscripts and, you know, it might be a little bit different this year. Usually what we do is we print out the manuscripts. We're surrounded by stacks of them and we sit and talk about what we love and what's not rocking our boats and yeah. what we want more of and which authors we want to shortlist. And it's a really collaborative process. Um, and this year I think we'll try and recreate that, but maybe with the help of some different technologies. Yeah, of um, course. Yep. And the trees will benefit because we won't be printing out as many as many manuscripts too. Yep. Um, so the manu so the Ampersand Prize opens this year on the first of July and it runs to the thirty first of July. Um, Beautiful. and we're also partnering um, with the Actually, I'm not sure if I can say that yet. I will yep. hold on to that. Oh, no, I Keep. think I can. Sorry. <laughs> We're partnering with the Emerging Writers Festival. I'm pretty sure that's been announced. Yeah, um, sure. Sorry, I just didn't want to uh, give away any secrets. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so the Emerging Writers Festival is going ahead. Um, they are running the festival entirely digitally this year, yeah. um, which is going to be really exciting. And um, Ampersand Prize is a major sponsor. So we'll have... Yep. Um, some really exciting uh, involvement in that festival. Yep. Once yep. the program is released, they can talk more about it. Beautiful. Yep. Very exciting for unpublished authors. So, yep, take note, folks. Hmm. So tell us, Marissa, um, a couple of books coming out that won't be having launch events. Do you have any that you really want to give some love to, shower upon them? Oh, my God, yes. So there's two. So... Um, the first one is coming out in May, so it's only a few weeks away, um, and it's called When It Drops. It's a YA novel by um, Alex Dyson, mm -hmm. um, and it is so funny. It is a, um, a YA novel about a kid who's really into making music um, until one of his private homemade love songs about his longtime crush and former best friend is posted online by his annoying younger brother and this homemade love song goes viral and it's completely <laughs> wow. mortifying but also really funny and it sort of reminded me of Adrian Mole yes. but mixed with a kind of male lord sort of origin story and it's got music and it's just like a very authentic teen voice but very plotty and funny and, yeah, I just really loved working on it. This book makes me laugh every time I read it and I've read it a lot. Yeah, I um, bet. <laughs> and Alex Dyson, I mean, he's definitely one author who had a lot of events planned because he's, um, I think, a little bit of a cult figure on Instagram. Right. He's a former, former Triple J DJ yep. um, and a bit of a modern Renaissance man in that he just has done everything. He's opened cafes. He has hosted weather on TV. Oh, he wow. has done a lot of travel and he's currently hosting Zumba classes on oh, Zoom. 
which are completely ridiculous. Um, he's also a very dedicated interpretive dancer. Um, oh, obviously, I think it's I think it's all jokes, but but he's really quite good at it. Um, he also ran for parliament. Um, oh my! I'm gosh. not sure. Which seat he lives in, he grew up in Warrnambool, so it was whatever the seat of Warrnambool is. But yeah. he's just such a delight and he's exactly the kind of light, um, you know, light, engaging, uh, escapist, contemporary fiction that we really yeah. need right now. Uh, fantastic. So that's coming out in May. Um, and then the other thing I have to plug is Real Pigeons Peck Punches, which is the yes. fifth Real Pigeons book. Yeah, coming out also in May <laughs> by Andrew McDonald and Ben Wood. Um, yes. And this series is just such a freaking delight. We all love working on it. Um, so it's about crime, a gang of crime-fighting, mystery-solving city pigeons who all have amazing pigeon powers like the power of disguise, um, one of them is a master uh, bendy pigeon. Another one is a homing pigeon. Um, and I never thought before I started working on this series that I would love lo- knowing as much as I do now about pigeons and the yes. pigeons. Um, yes. <laughs> but, yeah, so I think this is actually a fantastic series for lockdown because every book has three really exciting mysteries in it that are yep. gently intertwined. Um, and the books are just really funny and light and not at all stressful reads because I think if I were, you know, sorry, I was about to say if I were a parent, I am a parent, but my child yes. can't read that. Um, <laughs> yes. If I were a parent of junior fiction readers, I'd be just a bit cautious about anything too sad or too stressful because there's enough yeah. of that on in the world. Um, and Peck Punches, actually the entire Rubigen series is nothing like that. So it's just really yeah. light, funny, smart mysteries. Well, I know Maven Pamela's boys are big fans, so they will be – screaming with delight to hear that there's another one Yay. coming. <laughs> Yay. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, there are a lot of fun books. Well, thank you so much, Marissa, for taking the time out of your busy at-home schedule. We really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for all of the amazing work you're doing to support emerging writers. I think this is exactly the sort of community um, that we really need to keep um, front of mind as we um, yep. as we all continue our lockdown lives. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Marissa. Take care. You too. Bye bye. We hope you enjoyed our bonus episode. Next up, Pamela reviews Nelson One, Pumpkins and Aliens by Andrew Levins, and Julie reviews Gargantus by Thomas Taylor. Plus, Andrew Levins and Jacqueline Harvey stopped by the Mavens hot seat for an interview. If you'd like to know more about the Mavens, log on to middlegradepodcast.com or to find Julie online, drop by julieannegrassobooks.com and to find Pamela, stop by www.ueckermann.net. <laughs>